Hello and welcome to the 80th episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast. And this week, I believe, Joseph, that I have fixed the overmodulation problem. I had to go back to Mixology 101. Um, I haven't done that in a long time. I've been in you know radio, television for a while, and well, I had to go back to mixing. Um, but I think I fixed the overmodulation problem. Uh, I tested the mics and the mixer, the brand new mixer that allows us to do phone calls. And I think I have solved the audio quality problem. And that's good because I, I must officially apologize for the less than stellar audio uh, from, from the last episode. I, I know that you, the lawyer, loyal uh, listener of the Driving You Crazy podcast, deserves good quality audio, demands good quality audio, and needs that good quality audio. And that's what I want to give to you, the, the listener. So... I apologize for that. I am Jason Luber, the Denver 7 traffic anchor and new graduate of Mixology 101. I am Joseph Peters, pedestrian advocate. You can find me on Twitter at JosephDenver7. He's at Denver 7 Traffic. We're both on Facebook and Instagram. The only Mixology 101 I ever took was uh, bartending school. So a little bit on the other end of the spectrum. But one thing that we do have in common, while you advocate for drivers and I advocate for pedestrians, we both advocate for perfection. Yes, especially when it comes to audio quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think we figured that out now, Yes, which is good. And, and we hope to have some phone call interviews here in the coming weeks. And little known fact, you cannot closed caption a podcast. You can't? Well, I mean, you can, but it doesn't really do be... any. You can't read the captions <laughs> while you're driving. That's dangerous. Yes, it would be. I could send you uh, all the words that we say in some kind of random order, if you like, and then it can be like a jumble word search kind of or puzzle just a dictionary. There you go. Uh, here's a story of a true traffic jam hero, Joseph. In the midst of a seriously huge, massive traffic jam at the intersection of I-635 and U.S. 75 in Dallas, a heroic food truck owner began serving food to the drivers that were stuck on the highway. The traffic jam was caused by a tanker truck that overturned, requiring a hazardous materials cleanup that took hours and hours to clear. Now, some drivers were stuck on the highway for about, uh, what, two hours? Right in the middle of rush hour, so they got hungry, apparently. And this guy, with the food truck, decided to fire it up and start feeding the people right there. And there were a bunch of people who went there to eat. And not only that, there were also reports that some drivers actually parked their cars on the stopped interstate and went over to Whataburger, Smart. It's a heady play. We used to have Whataburgers around here. I was walking. I think they're all gone. I was literally walking to a doctor's appointment the other day, and there was a discarded Whataburger wrapper on the side of the street. And I said, I didn't know that was in Denver. I, I wonder think, where it's located. I know. I don't think there are. I think they're all gone. What a shame. But this food truck operator is a savvy guy, man. He knew he was going to get some free publicity yeah. for giving out his food on the highway. If I'm in a traffic jam, it's all good as long as I don't have to go to work afterwards. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. If, I have, if I'm going to be late for work, then the traffic jam is an issue. Or you just finished a cup of coffee and, and you know, your bladder is, is hurting. Uh, right. Where's the porta potty company in the middle of the traffic jam to help everybody out? Exactly. And that's what's unreported. That's why they were all at Whataburger. <laughs> yeah, just use on the bathroom. So the Mile High Club seems to be alive and well after a couple of passengers on a Silver Airways flight were really, really enjoying each other's company while in their seats. Silver Airways, by the way, if you've never heard of them like me, they uh, fly these small jets mainly in the southeastern United States. They go to the Car- Caribbean. Oh, so it's like Florida, a 40-seater. Like, 
Oh, it's a small one. Yeah, it's okay. a small plane. And on this particular flight, there was this couple sitting two rows up uh, from the happy couple who took the cell phone video of the mid-flight rendezvous. No blanket to cover him up. The video was then posted to Twitter, and it clearly shows the couple in the last row of that small plane sharing one seat. Mm. The plane isn't very big. Had two seats on one side, just a single seat on the other side. And so it looked. I, I, I think it, it, it looked like it held maybe 25, maybe 30 people at most. Um, and that couple that was in the last row of the plane. So I, I think they, they air quotes here, thought they had some privacy. Right. Because they were in the back and it's not a very crowded plane. Well, I, you know, I respect their decision making. It's not like they were trying to do this on a Spirit Airlines flight across the country because that's just not going to happen. I mean, if you want to talk about a flight with no privacy. But my mindset has always been you can't join the Mile High Club on a passenger plane. It's got to be on a private plane. Really? Got to be. What are you Why? otherwise? What are you doing on an American Airlines flight where they're like crying children and stuff, trying to join the Mile High Club? Oh, they're doing it. That's insane. Well, that's that's what these people did, basically. That's basically what these people did. So it seemed from the video that the rest of those passengers, except for the two recording this video of the airborne love, seemed unaware of the shenanigans going on in the back seat. Blissfully unaware. Now, according to the Daily Mail, Silver Airways confirmed the video was taking, uh, taken on one of its flights, but didn't condone the behavior. No. Really? They didn't condone it? You mean they don't want everybody making out on their airplanes? And this couple isn't the first to push the limits of in-flight love. In March, two passengers were found in the lavatory in a compromising position on a Virgin Atlantic flight. That's what I'm talking about, though. The only place you can get privacy on one of those flights is in the lavatory. I'm good. Like, I'm just all set. Like, nothing is worth going to the lavatory to do your business. Well, last year, two passengers who had been strangers before the flight were caught in the act on a Delta flight, and uh, they were kicked off the plane. Actually, that is a big problem for, for some people if they get caught. Yes. Now, the comments, obviously, to a story that's like this, Posted by random people out there on the internet. Are rude. They're priceless. Rude. Priceless. Okay. Here are a few of them. We're currently experiencing some in-flight turbulence. Mm. Fly Silver Airlines, where the ride is on us. Oh, okay. Okay. The skies are becoming more friendly as people look for new ways to connect. Silver Airlines, yes, that stain is what you think it is. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Control, we're had... Control, we're now penetrating 5,280 feet. <laughs> that one is... is That's uh, good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. All right. Two rides for the price of one. We sure aren't flying Virgin Air anymore. Okay. Okay. Stewardess, I'll have what he's having. Uh, that's reference to the movie When Harry Met Sally. You saw, saw that movie? No. But do you know the scene from the... Yeah, everybody knows that scene. I, I should say I shouldn't say everybody. Maybe there's somebody out there who's never seen when Harry met Sally. How much extra for that section? In case of an emergency ejaculation or evacuation. Oh boy, that's that's a that's little, a fun word. I'm shocked, just shocked. Look at all that leg room on this plane. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that one. I mean, it would be more shocking if the plane had leg room, right? More than just his seats was in the fully upright position. There were lots and lots of these. Okay. 
Those were just some of the ones that I scraped off. I'm just saying, man. Not on a public plane. <laughs> there you go. Somebody else paid for those tickets. Yes. Nobody paid for tickets to that show. No, they didn't. And, well, somebody got to see it. And you can look at the video and see it over and over and over again. I mean, again. clearly we all get to see it, right? Thank God for social media. A 10-foot wooden statue of a bear has been ordered to be removed from the side of a road in a small Welsh town there in the southern UK after a scared woman driver blamed it for causing her crash. The wooden grizzly bear has guarded the very small British town, population 850, for more than 15 years as a roadside landmark. But now the Welsh government safety officials say it must be taken down after the crash by the woman who thought it was so real that she veered off the road and crashed. The bear has been there for the past 15 years without any other problem. The locals are fighting the removal of the bear, saying it was just this one woman who had the problem with it. Why should we take it down for this one woman who had the one problem with it? Right. Nobody's saying the woman should have her driver's license taken away because she thought a wooden bear was a real bear and <laughs> drove off the road. Now, maybe, are they? Maybe she was from Canada where she sees bears all the time and she got scared. Uh, perhaps they should be having a conversation about taking away her driver's license. Let's turn this around. Exactly. Let no, the bear, I agree let with you. Let the bear live. Let the bear live. Temporary traffic lights have been put up on the road there in that area. As a, uh, well, safety precaution. So we buried the lead a little bit. Not only are they getting rid of the bear, but they had to put in a whole set of traffic lights because some idiot couldn't figure out that a bear wasn't real. The spokesman for the government said that if the bear wasn't removed by the locals, they would seize it themselves. That's rude. They should seize her license and not let her drive anywhere around that town again. I hope that entire town moves to Iceland. (laughs) <laughs> just vacates Wales, says we've had enough of this, this is just, nonsense, and just go somewhere else. Load everybody up on a couple of Viking ships, and off we go. It'd only take, what, like nine Silver Airlines planes? Oh, sure. Okay. Maybe, yeah, there you go, and everybody could have some fun doing it. Uh, I like maps. Uh, I've always liked maps, especially old maps. I think that's why I like doing the job that I do, because I really like maps. I like looking at maps and globes. I, I just always have. It's always been interesting to me. Well, people need all kinds of maps. I mean, road maps, obviously, are very useful. They're the most popular. Maps uh, at the mall, they show you you are here, or at Disney World or land or you know amusement parks. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very helpful. You can tell you have daughters because your three examples were on the road at a shopping mall and at Disney World. <laughs> You're right. I know I'm over here like a map of the human genome. That sounds great. But Well, someone was talking to me recently asking me if I knew about this poop map from San Francisco. Have you heard about the poop map? Go on. Well, they're going on and on about how the city is tracking poop. And I actually, I had to explain to this person uh, they are a bit misguided because there was an online map in San Francisco that was used to track human feces on the city streets. I mean, th- yes, that, that part is true. Uh, it, it all started basically, uh, what, a couple years ago when Mayor Willie Brown ended, um, he, he, he did an ordinance he, he, like they did here. Mm-hmm. They did away with an ordinance where the city doesn't prosecute victimless crimes, they call them, like uh, possession of drugs or prostitution and public urination and defecation. So they don't really monitor that stuff. So when you incentivize it, you don't punish it, you're going to get more of it. Mm -hmm. So people were peeing and, and pooping everywhere, just everywhere, all over the streets. Well, apparently public urination became so widespread that it's actually damaged the subway elevators and escalators, building walls and power poles all around San Francisco. Now, this original poop map was called the Human Wasteland Map, 
And they use these little poop emojis to indicate where not to step. Do they have it down to that much of a science now that they, well, they, they did. can pinpoint like don't t- don't step with your right foot when you're on this no, sidewalk? No, no, no. Okay. Just like here's here's a pile and there's a pile. Now the creator has actually stopped updating it a while back because she originally created this poop map as a way to help the homeless, and she really didn't like the way some news outlets were using this poop map and using it to make fun of San Francisco. That was never her intention, but that's the that's what started happening. That wasn't her intention. No, no, no. She never wanted the city to make, or people to make fun of the city. She wanted to bring the plight of the homeless to light and how there are are people pooping everywhere and the city needs to do something about helping the homeless, getting portable restrooms and all those sort of things out there. The naivete there is impressive. She thought she was going to make something called a poop map and people weren't going to make fun of it. You can still see the website right now, but the data is a couple of years old. Um, we could create almost a similar map here in Denver. However, I'd be concerned that most of the reports uh, would be centered around Civic Center Park. Yes. Um, maybe down over there by the bus station over at uh, on Arapaho at 19th or so. I mean, just don't swim in the Cherry Creek and you should be good, right? Uh, yeah, I think the Platte River is probably a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. Um, around the library, would probably be pretty bad. Well, there's bathrooms in the library. Yeah, but there's no bathroom. Come on. But, yeah, you could just go outside the library, too, and there's plenty of people do it. I mean, because, like we said, if you encourage it, you will get it. Right. Um, It's really a shame. I mean, when I was looking at the Pooh map, I I found a handy handy phone app that will actually allow you to record where you go poo. Oh, great. I mean, in places you're supposed to go poo. Right. Not where other people have. But also places where you're not, right? Right. Well, I guess not in places where people have done it and they're not supposed to do it, where you do it so you can track it. Like if there's if some reason that you want to track your own movements in that way, and then other people can enjoy. <laughs> I don't know or why. something. I don't know. Well, there's been quite a bit of talk, uh, Joseph, on my Nextdoor app about one reckless driver in the neighborhood. And I want to get your uh, take on this. So someone took a picture of the car in question and then posted it there to next door, and a few days later, the mother of the kid, who was the suspected driver, said he was going to lose his keys for a while. It also turned into an interesting discussion on next door about whether guilt-shaming bad drivers in the neighborhood is okay. I think it's fine. I, what other way are you going to really bring attention to that problem and who's doing it than you can publicly post all this stuff online? Why not? post the pictures of the bad drivers and let the public sort it out i i I want to do it with with the drivers running the stop sign over the corner of my house and how some of them almost run into the kids who are playing near the near the street right there okay but what what is this kid's crime being when we when we talk about being a bad driver well no no he was reckless driver so so i think what was happening was he was speeding and passing other people um being generally reckless on the roadway there were some uh, egregious offenses that he was charged with with doing. Okay. So in the so court of public opinion. Yes. It wasn't just like he was going a couple miles over the speed limit and he made a quick left turn or something. I'm just saying, like, teenagers are supposed to be bad drivers and do some dumb stuff, like going 90 on a 30-mile-an-hour road and passing people on the right side. You know, like, I'm not condoning that behavior. I'm just saying, like, that is sort of to be expected from somebody in that age group. There are some websites that you can post uh, about bad drivers on. I know there's a website in England that encourages you to post uh, pictures of people who are really bad driver, drivers, and even um, when people park badly 
Well, and this has been going on to a lesser extent for a really long time, right? I mean, if you think about how all the trucks that have the How's My Driving stickers on the back with well, the yeah. hotline, that's the same idea. It's just in a much less public forum as compared to the internet where you're just like, this guy's a bad driver. And you can say whatever you want, and you only have your picture to go off of. Well, and, but then there's this guy in the Colorado Springs area who he posts, he actually has a YouTube channel where he posts these uh, bad, he calls them bad Colorado drivers. Um, and, he, and he's posting videos all the time about people he sees either making bad turns or almost crashing or you know, doing uh, running red lights. I, I could almost do the same thing with all the stuff I've seen on my dash cam. Well, you could do the same thing with your I dash haven't. cam. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I have posted sometimes some of the bad drivers um, that I've seen out and about. Um, so, the, yeah, that I mean, it's possible out there. Right. Well, and I think there's there's definitely like a bright red line, I think, that you don't want to cross because at some point, like some driver is going to see that and the road rage is just going to bubble up to the surface away from the road behind the computer screen and turn it in could turn into something ugly. Now, one of the people that were posting on next door said there are privacy concerns here. Um, how can that be? You're out in a public space. You're, you're on a public street in public view, and it's within anybody's rights to take a picture and post it. That's what we learn here as we're taking. We can stand on any public corner or sidewalk or whatever and take pictures or video of anything we want as a news organization. You can do the same thing as a private citizen. It's true. I mean, you should have some reasonable expectation of privacy when it comes to protecting what's in your car, but you can't stop other people from taking pictures of your car while you're driving. Yeah. I mean, I see this as an outlet, really where you can get to share your frustrations with other drivers about some other bad driving behaviors. Because I think that's what the, wasn't that the intent of social media, just to really allow you to mass broadcast your frustrations to everybody? I mean, really not necessarily take pictures of what you had for breakfast, but. Well, yeah, I mean, in, in, an, in, an, in an earlier, more pleasant time. <laughs> <laughs> back when the internet was young. Back when the internet was young. I mean, that was all we used it for, right? It was to blast out personal problems and talk with each other. And that was it. You know, and that and that was a more fun time. And you look at people now who operate two Twitter accounts, one that nobody's supposed to read, where they keep their private thoughts and like what I'm really thinking. And that's exactly what it is there, too. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe we've re reached some kind of level of, of such... Um, uh, I don't know, uncomfortableness when it comes to sharing your opinion because everybody's going to blast you from either yep. side um, that you just can't do that anymore, I guess. Not, I don't know. It's not but, easy to have an opinion in this generation. No, it's just it's not. No, it's not because you're just alienating yourself from one side or the other. Right. And it, it's really frustrating. I, I, but, you know, there are some apps out there that allow you to do this sort of thing. that We, did, we actually covered this sort of thing uh, with an app a while back. Um, what was the name? There was some... Oh, goodness, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but you were supposed to be able to take a picture of somebody while they were driving and, and then take their li license plate pictures and send it off yeah, to the somebody. Yeah, one, one of those Asian countries was doing it. And we were very concerned that they were just going to be like trying to catch people doing bad driving things in order to cash in more money off this app, right? Actually, Reddit, they do it a lot. I see a lot on Reddit um, people posting pictures of, of bad drivers or videos of bad drivers on there. I don't trust Reddit. <laughs> you don't? I don't. There's, I, I think it's a great website. I'm glad that we have a giant forum that everybody's a part of. But I'm telling you, man, the, the, the some of the things that get allowed on Reddit, it's a problem. Well, it's the internet. It's free and open. Well, and anyway, so go back to my back to my uh, next door thing. Um, someone posted uh, uh, this 
problem with the speeding on our in our in our little town, right? Yep. Um, and he was really upset about it because he drives a trailer full of horses. And he said, um, dear drivers, most valued possessions are inside the trailer behind my truck. They stepped into that rolling aluminum box because I asked them to, and they trust me. They're living, breathing creatures, and all 1,100 pounds of them are precariously balanced on four tiny hooves as my truck and trailer wind down the road. My horses are not a boat or camper trailer, and I cannot stop quickly or turn sharply without risking their safety and even their life. Know that I will do just about anything to avoid hitting the brakes with a horse in my trailer. However, if your Suburban is hiding in the blind spot behind my horse trailer and I do have to stop suddenly, you're too close to stop without ending up in the trailer with my horses. When I make those wide turns, I need them to prevent my horses from scrambling. Please give me room and time to turn in that large distance between me and the car in front of me. It might look like enough room to fit three sedan bumpers to bumper, but it's actually the distance I need to stop softly and safely without my horses falling. Those times when we're all he headed up a hill, my speed is as fast as I can go. My foot has the accelerator pressed to the floor, and no matter how hard you try, your Honda can't push us up this hill. I promise I'll move to the right lane when it becomes available or pull over if I find a safe spot on the shoulder. But until then, I ask for your patience and some space. Lastly, my setup weighs three tons. And with that much weight, it prevents me from swerving. When you pass me going 80 uphill on a blind corner, you just don't put my horses at risk. Your driving threatens the lives of the oncoming driver, my passenger, me, you, and everyone in the cars behind us. So next time you see a horse trailer, assume an animal's in there, please give them the same space and offer patience by driving safely. We'll all get to where we're going. Thank you. That from somebody who was posting also on the next door about reckless drivers. Now, I, I live in a place where I do see some horse trailers, and it was a good reminder. It was an interesting take, I thought. But, well, and I certainly hope people aren't get, taking out their road rage on the drivers of horse trailers. Well, I don't think they're taking out their road rage. I think most drivers just suck right now. Well, but you see what I'm saying. Like, you shouldn't be creeping up on a, on a horse trailer that's trying to make a wide turn, like the guy said. Like, there's, there's just no reason for that. There's a lot of things we shouldn't be doing, Joseph, but people do it anyway. Right. Uh, especially on the road. That's just the way life is now. I'm, yes. Yep. It just is. Yep. People suck. Yep. Maybe that's what it is. Make them Just walk. people suck. Everybody, take cars away from everybody. Most of them. You know what's funny? Today it was bike to work day here in Denver, and there I think there was more crashes today than almost any other time. Really? Now, I didn't hear a lot of uh, like pedestrian or bike uh, car crashes. It was car on car crashes, and a lot of them happened today. That's which is odd. Maybe all the good drivers were riding their bike. Here's the problem with bike to work day. And, I, and don't please don't let me be the person that disparages Bike to Work Day because it's wonderful, and I'm glad we're all getting more exercise. Uh, but there are a lot of people who should not be bicycling to work who are biking to work on a day like today. And, and all I'm saying is that, like, in the same way that you should have to pass a test to get a driver's license, like, you, you should have to pass some sort of mental test in your own mind before you take your bicycle out on the mean streets of Denver and try to ride the 10 blocks to work. Thought no, that. I mean, you're going you're gonna to hurt somebody. Like, yourself... Or a pedestrian that you swerve into. I'm not saying I saw that. I'm just saying it came a little too close to comfort a few times. Or you're going to go out in the middle of the road when you shouldn't. Because it made me think of, so we, we all the TV stations for today did that, did that story. 
and did the same live shot where they put somebody just on about, a bike. Just yeah. about. Everybody had, a, had somebody on a bike. Uh, like Channel 9 had Amelia over there on a bike, but she's riding on the bike path, right? And she's not really doing anything. And then the Channel 4 girl was doing the same thing. Same thing on Channel 2. But we had our Megan Lopez start back at Lone. So they, and they were all starting like right here in downtown Denver. Like they drove to work and then they got on a bike and they did a little quick live report um, where they were just riding a few feet. Right. Well, we had Megan Lopez. This was her idea. She started in Lone Tree, which is 20 miles south of Denver. And she started down there on her bike, and she doesn't ride the bike all the time. She's in pretty good shape. I mean, she's not a fat guy like me. She, um, but she got on uh, on her bike, and she would stop and do her live reports. But she, she was she was honest about it. She goes, "I'm dreading this. I'm not excited about this. This is gonna really be terrible." Um, and I'm, she's looking at her GPS, figuring out how long it's gonna take her. And uh, and, and, and she would stop along the way and said, "A couple of times, I almost crashed because of these." Uh, uh, cracks in the sidewalk, yep. and it was nice to have areas where there were bike lanes, and not everywhere had the bike lanes. And so she had a good perspective because she was riding for 20 miles and and saw all all of that, and you could really see it in her in her demeanor. Uh, and I, I thought it was a much better report than some of the other yahoos from the other stations. I'm a fan. My goal, what I wanted to do, was the dream bike to work day because Colorado offers so much swag on this day that you oh, could yeah, literally create a route where you got five different very delicious breakfast opportunities <laughs> yeah. and why not stop at all of them i would like the free donuts i would like the free bagels i would like four cups of free coffee and yes i want buy one get one chipotle at 8 30 in the morning <laughs> on bike to work day okay. <laughs> and all the flapjacks you can shove down your gullet give me them flapjacks man coming up how long do you think the average commute is in the worst cities in america that story and so much more as the driving you crazy podcast continues Put the kettle on, and I'll have it home. I'm Mitch Jeldiker, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. Who is the funnest? Is funnest a word? The more fun, the more funnest uh, person to work with on the morning show? Honestly, it's probably Jason. And I'm looking right at him as I'm telling him this. But it is. We have so much fun together. We have a long history together. I know his wife from back in the day. We have almost a little too much fun. We make each other laugh constantly. But I think that's what brightens up our show and it gives it energy and and makes it a, a fun thing to watch. Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7. Well, the weather, of course, is uh, something I didn't have to deal with before. And now I have to dress appropriately every day for the outside. Uh, the roads, you know, this time of day in the mornings, you know how it is. It, it's empty. It's clear. It, we, we can drive a little faster than some of the other uh, parts of the day. Uh, and, and no, I mean, it's, it's great to be out in the field. It's great to get around Denver and see things at that hour of the day. You get a unique perspective. But yeah, it's definitely a challenge to get out there in the weather, on the rain, in the snow days, and uh, and then have to come back to the station and dress up again to be on the air in studio. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast and breaking news. 
Germany is out. Mexico is in. Mexico was already in, but Germany is out. They haven't been out in like the last 70 years. We're finally going to get that Mexico versus England World Cup final that I've been dreaming of since I was a toddler. Oh, you have, have you? Absolutely. Really? I, I was hoping for the uh, Icelandic uh, dream team to, to make it into the final the, the, 16, but... The Vikings. The Vi- they're, they're out. Called. They had the greatest chant. You know the thing about World Cup? The, the part about it I really love, and, and it, this is we call this the Driving You Crazy podcast. We talk a lot about travel stuff. We talk about uh, uh, driving, obviously. But it, 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 the thing about all these different nations and seeing them, it's like traveling with these people to one place, all with one event. Yep. Because they show the crowd, and you see these people from these countries, and their passion and their exuberance – uh, in their cheering for their for their for their team and for their country and their nation, it, it's really nice to see. It's like going to these places a little bit without actually going to these places. Yeah, I would say that our boy Alan Roach is in Russia for this, by the way. Right. I yes. don't know if you're aware of that he he is a uh, working on his goal call. Yes. Guarantee you, a man with a voice like that has a great <laughs> goal call. I could uh, text him if you want, but uh, I don't know if texting works in Russia. Russia. Only if Putin allows it. Only. That's enough. That's what. That's- <laughs> That's enough talking about Russia. But, you know, that's the, the World Cup is just so and, – and, and to see the, the, the passion that these nations, the people in these nations have for their team and, and this game in particular and this event, it, it's, just, it's just fascinating. Um, it's too bad the United States isn't in it this year like they were last year. But, uh, hey, we have the women's team. Right. At least somebody in this country is successful. As usual, it is the women. Dateline, Framingham, Massachusetts. Are you – is that right? No. All right. Framingham. Framingham. All right. We'll go with Dateline Framingham, Massachusetts. Is that right? Here we go. It's better. Saying that it's something he finds himself thinking about regularly, local toll booth attendant Bruce Daly told reporters he would just once like to see a fleeing criminal smash a vehicle through his one of his toll plazas, lowered traffic barriers at full speed. I'm not a demanding guy, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't want front row seats as some guy blasted through the gate, followed by four state troopers in hot pursuit, unquote, said Daly. Uh, lamenting that it is 17 years manning a toll booth on the westbound Massachusetts turnpike, he hadn't even witnessed anyone so much as bump the metal bar, let alone tear through it going 90 miles an hour. If he was driving fast enough with a big enough car, he'd probably rip the thing right off its hinges and send it flying dozens of feet into the air. I don't think seeing that up close is too much to ask. Daly added that he would be pretty upset if the scenario ended up playing out in an adjacent toll lane and not his own. Mm. Respect. That from the onion. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I wish it was real, but... I mean, but let's be honest. If you've been working in a toll booth for 17 years, you need a little bit more excitement in your life. The thing about the onion articles, though, there always is a little bit of truth in the articles, and that's why... They work so well because there, there. Somebody has said that I'm sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the mass pike. I mean, that's a free for all anyway. Well, how about this? A woman in the UK has begged the police to arrest her biker boyfriend who boasted about driving over a hundred miles an hour because she says she would rather have him jailed than dead. She wrote a a post on Facebook to the North Wales police, saying, "My partner is a biker." He's visiting North Wales this weekend and is already boasting that he's going to be doing over a ton when he can. I guess a ton means over 100 miles an hour. 
that's English speak that I have no clue. Well, it's got to be about. kilometers, right? Well, no, they were saying 100 miles an hour, but but you know okay. that that's what I thought it was weird. Okay. Um, she continued saying, "I know where they are starting from. Please, please try to find them and stop them. We have children, and I would rather have him in jail than dead. I'm sorry to put this on you, as I know you are already overworked." Now the policing unit there in that area responded saying, "Please enjoy the road safely and responsibly. Everybody has a part to play in keeping our roads safe." That was the response. Mm-hmm. That's res- that's professional. Yeah, and then they continued saying there has been an increase in the number of deadly motorcycle crashes in Wales lately. We have a bunch here in Colorado recently too. Um, yeah, they they that was their response, not hey we're we're gonna look out for them or yeah thanks for lo- letting us know or hey you know sorry your boyfriend's a, a, a right. dope. Let's talk about relationships for a second. Yeah, maybe you should have chosen right. better. Like, how long have you been enabling the 100-mile-an-hour motorcycle rides? Do you, from time to time, get on the back of the motorcycle when he's going 100 miles an hour and let the wind flow through your hair? Yeah. And if you do and you enjoy it, then how dare you call the police and say, you need to arrest this man for the same thing that I enabled for so long? Yeah. And why don't you, uh, maybe she has talked to her boyfriend about this in the past, and he's just ignoring her and saying, you know what, babe, I'm going to ride and I'm going to ride fast. Right. Then leave him. Yeah. Right. You can find a biker who goes a half ton instead of a ton. Or you can find one that goes zero tons. Yes. Like no, me. No tons. I won't ride anymore because the amount of traffic that's here in town, it's just, and the way drivers seem not to care about anybody or anything, I'm, I, it, I signed it off about three or four years ago that I will not ride a motorcycle anymore. And actually, my father-in-law, he, he I was riding his a lot, and then he decided, too, that he, because I- encouraging that a little bit and he said yeah and he said no i'm not gonna and he sold it yep the drudgery of commuting day in and day out can be one of the most challenging parts of work can it i mean for you you walk i yeah my my commute's glorious i have nothing to worry about no issue for you i mean and and mine coming into 3 a.m it's really not that bad i just have to watch for the overnight construction right my biggest concern it was hot today yes it was it's gonna be really hot today (laughs) so sometimes i sweat on my commute and that's gonna be for all those people that were riding to work today and i was telling them on on tv this morning that hey you're riding to work now and everything's great but and i said don't forget you could take your bike on the bus you can put it on the front of the bus or in the light rail one, if you want to go home, and then they, they, and everybody else was aghast. I said, well, look, they don't have to ride back. It says ride to work, not ride home from work. That's not ride home from work day. That's it's true. ride to work day. That's true. That's that's a confirmed fact right there. Isn't it? <sighs> not bike to and from work day. No. So I was trying to help out the people. Anyway. Doesn't matter if it's morning or evening rush hour, there is uh, always a lot of traffic out there. And you want to know which hour of the rush is probably the worst. Well, there's a driving app. It's called Drive Mode. And apparently they um, allow you to have all kinds of features on your phone there that help you drive without being too distracted. It's called Drive Mode. Okay. Um, well, they took a closer look at the rush hour driving trends to uncover, they say, when and where the burdens of commuting are the heaviest. So Drive Mode reviewed the data of over 455,000 Android phone users from January 2017 all the way through May 2018. So about a year and a half of data. That's a lot. Okay. Those users had uh, driven over 184 million miles and produced over 278 million points of uh, anonymous GPS location data. 
That's a lot of data. That is a lot of data. With this information, Drive Mode set a 25-mile radius around the central point of metro areas to find the averaged aggregated duration of driving sessions by hour and day of the week within each metro area using 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. as the morning rush and 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. as the evening rush hours. The purpose of the study, they say, was to analyze commuting trends at different hours within rush hour periods to see if there are notable differences between hours or between metro areas. So knowing these trends, they say, can help commuters choose when to hit the road, particularly in the summer months when some of the offices have more flexibility with their work hours. Of course, navigation apps can give you the best idea of the traffic conditions at that moment. But knowing more about the overall trends, they say, can help commuters make the most of their time on the road. So here is a summary of the findings in this study. Uh, in 19 of the 20 cities, leaving work after 6 p.m. means spending the least amount of time behind the wheel. The longest evening commute happens between 4 and 5 p.m. In a majority of the cities, 5 to 6 had the longest commute for 6 metro areas, whereas 4 to 5 was the longest in 12 cities. Morning commutes are more evenly dispersed. 6 to 7 had the longest morning commute for 10 cities. 7 to 8 had the longest morning commute for 6 cities. 8 to 9 a.m. had the shortest morning commute for 9 metro areas, and 9 to 10 had the shortest morning commute for 8 cities. Obviously, the fewer people on the road, and I think a lot of that is, is school times. Yep. Yep. If you look at those times. Evening commute times varied more than morning commutes. For example, Atlanta drivers who leave at 6 p.m. spend 15% less time in their cars than those who leave at 4 p.m. However, morning commuters in that same city of Atlanta vary less than 5%. So Tampa drivers leaving at 6 p.m. experience a 17% quicker commute than at 4 p.m. Morning commuters there in Tampa, their drive time differs by less than 7%. So it really matters almost more in the afternoon than it does in the morning. I right. think that's what they're saying. Now, in some cities, both rushes see big differences depending on the departure times. For example, San Diego and Washington, D.C. commute durations, they vary by about 15% between their morning and evening commutes. Mm. In some cities, commute durations are relatively consistent throughout each rush hour, no matter the departure time. For example, Houston, their commuters and their times, it only varies about 5% across all hours in both the morning and the afternoon. So it's pretty consistent that your traffic is going to suck. Right. In New York City, your commute time uh, varies by only about 7% during either the morning or the afternoon rush hour. Can we just throw New York City out of this one? Like I know, it's your, ridiculous. Your commute it? sucks. Yeah, it does. And Dallas only sees about a 9% variation in their commute time. So overall, it takes longer to drive one mile in the evening rush than it does in the morning rush hour. I see that here in Denver. I, that's, I, that's just anecdotal. Right. I, I think that's true here, too. Now, Miami is the slowest in both morning and the evening rush hours, taking drivers an average of three minutes to drive one mile. Ugh. San Diego is the fastest in the morning commute, taking less than two minutes to drive one mile. St. Louis and Minneapolis are the fastest in the evening, both taking about two minutes to drive just one mile. So here are the cities, some of the cities. Let's go with the top 10. How about that? Maybe top 10, top 15, something like that. So the New York morning and afternoon commutes are, are the worst. So the, the New York PM commute was the worst out of all these cities they looked at. From 5 to 6 p.m., an average of 55.77 minutes. Oh. So nearly an hour there. And you look at the New York morning commute, the worst hours between 6 and 7 a.m., 
and it's fifty five point seven two minutes. Right. So and that, that's basically no no change in the time there. And that's the amount of time that it takes you to go what like four miles. No, in that's New York the, City? yeah, that's the, well, yeah, maybe good, but that's their average commute time is that fifty five minutes. So it's worse between five and six. So if you leave after six, it's a little bit better. Uh, and same thing in New York in the mornings. If you're leaving after seven, it's maybe a little bit better. You know, and that's an awful amount of time. I mean, fifty an hour. fifty five minutes an hour. It's that's an hour. that's a terrible commute. But if you ask most people who take the bus or the train any significant distance, their commutes usually wind up in that range too oh, sure. when you factor everything in because functionally, yes, the train ride may only take thirty five minutes, but getting to the train, getting from the train to your destination, those things blow up that commute quite a bit and they wind up spending an hour on the road pretty consistently that's what it would take me about an hour if i was if i was regular work time uh from my house to get to here taking the train drive to the train train to the bus bus to here Mm -hmm. it would take about an hour it takes me about half that right well and even for me from where, where my commute to work here is half a mile and it takes me 12 minutes to walk it it would take me 20 minutes to get here by the bus because I'd have to go out of my way to the bus stop, take the bus, and then get off the bus further away. The worst time, apparently, in Los Angeles is the evening commute from 4 to 5 p.m., spending an average of 54.69 minutes. Uh, their morning commutes are 52.74 minutes, and that's between 7 and 8 a.m., so a little bit later, which is interesting because it's West Coast versus East Coast. Mm-hmm. Like Atlanta, their evening commute, the worst of it is between 4 and 5 p.m. Uh, at almost 53 minutes. And then uh, their morning commute, not nearly as bad. Now, Washington, D.C., both their morning and afternoon commutes are about the same, about 52 minutes. Their morning commute, the worst time, is 7 to 8 a.m., and the evening is 4 to 5. Wow. Which is interesting. Uh, San Francisco, the worst is the evening from 4 to 5. Philadelphia, the worst for their morning commute is 6 to 7, and evening is 3 to 4. Which is earlier than I expected. That's that's earlier than anyone would expect. Why is everybody getting out of work and so for early Philadelphia, in Philadelphia? I don't know. I, I, that That's confusing. For Denver, the average afternoon commute, the worst of it is 4 to 5 p.m. I, I would say it's 5 to 6, but they you know they they have the numbers. And they say it's forty about 44 and a half minutes. In the morning, they say it's between 8 and 9 a.m. And I concur because I see more and more traffic between... Not just seven and eight, but also eight and nine o'clock. So our e- so our morning rush hours are lasting a lot longer than they ever used to, and I think that's a lot of the growth and also the different jobs that we're seeing now here in this growing city. Uh, Minneapolis had one of the better commute times in the afternoon, between four and five, almost forty-two minutes. And St. Louis in the evening, between four and five, they're at about forty minutes. Are you familiar with Minneapolis at all? Uh, I once um, had a date with a girl from there. Okay. That was it. That's my only brush with Minneapolis. That and, and Lindsay Radford. Yes. Well, Minneapolis seems like it could be a great place. Very very Denver-like without all of the annoyances that come with living in Denver. Really? It, it just you know, feeling. I can't understand a place, though, that can be so cold in the winter and so hot in the summer. Are we talking about Minneapolis or yes. are we on Denver now? No, Minneapolis. Yeah. No, no, no. It doesn't get that bad. It's not that bad here. But in Minneapolis, it can, it's obviously super cold in the winter, and it gets super hot in the summer. Well, it is it is horrible. And we're in the middle mosquitoes of mosquitoes and the in the ugliness and the quote unquote heat wave here in Denver because we're about to hit a hundred tomorrow. And I'm coming it's a off dry heat. 
get, get out of here with that dry heat nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be 100 degrees. That is hot. By the way, if you're hitting the road with the other 40 million Americans this coming holiday week, be safe because we want to see you here again on our next episode. And as always, happy motoring. Was I early? Man? You were too early. Damn. Way too early. <laughs> way, way too early. Because I first have to say thanks again for listening. Okay. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm Flapjack fanatic Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.